Hey, this is Eastlake BBA, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you. We hope this builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Hi, I'm Christine, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Christine. I can hardly wait to hear what I'm going to say. Okay. Um, first of all, again, my name is Christine. I'm an alcoholic, and I'm also an addict. So this will be my first time speaking my truth about my addiction with other things besides alcohol. So it's a privilege and an honor always to share my experience, strength, and hope with you. My experience is current, my strength is current, and my hope is current. Um, I do have some notes, so just bear with me. I'm going to start out by qualifying and letting you know that my sobriety date is April 22nd, 2014. This last Saturday, I celebrated nine years of continuous sobriety. As a girl, I was always on the outside looking in. I never, ever, ever fit in. And I want to apologize because I feel like the tears are coming on right now, which means to me that I'm really speaking to you from my soul. And none of this stuff has kind of come out, whatever I wrote. I'm just going to speak to you and tell you really how I got here. Um, I never belonged. I never, ever belonged. Um, My parents separated after the death of my eight-year-old brother. My mother was no longer able to be my mother, so I never had a relationship with my mother since then. Um, Up until recently, and I'll get into that. Um, I was raised by an alcoholic who was raised by an alcoholic. My father was also a drug addict. He did meth, and I did meth with my dad. Um, Let's see. I went to live with my father, and I had no coping skills. I went from high school to high school to high school to high school. I got in fights. High school, kicked out of this high school, sent to this high school. I hung out with all the loadies. You know, the people that smoked the pot, the cigarettes, and did the drugs, and here you all are here. (laughs) I found you all again. Um, Okay, so, um, page one. Um, When I was 30, I was doing meth and um, got married and went on a honeymoon with an alcoholic. It was an all-inclusive honeymoon. We could drink as much as we wanted, and we did. And that was my first time without meth. There was no meth. I really didn't think I had a problem. I really, I thought, okay, I could be on a beach, no big deal. I could be on a beach, I could do this. No, I realized then that I needed the meth. And that's when I went to alcohol. Alcohol was quick. Alcohol saved me. I broke my nose on my honeymoon. Um, yeah, that's how that went. So I started a series of that after I got back and it was obviously not my fault. I didn't have a problem, it was him. He was the problem. You know, I never, never really looked at myself. It was always you guys. It was always you guys. It was always circumstances. It was never my fault. It was, it was, always, it was always you. It was never me. I could never look at myself. And my, my living went for three years. Like, I could pull it off for three years. I could keep a job. I could keep the guy. And I could keep the place. But then with a matchstick, I'd burn it up. And I'd have to start all over again every three years, every five years at the most, but I'd be just riding the rails and the wheels would come off. They would always, always, always come off. But like we know, we're like above average people. So I was very successful. I was always able to land on my feet in terms of what the outside looked like. The outside was always nicely packaged until you looked inside. 
I didn't have any friends because I never knew how to be a friend. You know, the dope was more important to me. The dope and the drugs and the alcohol was more important to me. I really didn't care about anything else because I didn't know anything else existed. I just knew to get high. Like, I would wake up and just want to do it all over again. I never wanted to be in my own skin. I just couldn't stand who I was. I couldn't stand the thinking and my thought process. I just couldn't understand. How come nobody loved me? I wasn't lovable. I just wanted to be loved. I never had love. I never experienced love. Um, so, okay. <laughs> okay, so. I was always fortunate to meet the right people when I needed them. I really was able to meet the right people who could just kind of keep me centered or keep me on track. And uh, I had managed to have 10 years on a couch, a drinking career on a couch, pissed on the beds, did all that, had to replace numerous beds. Like I just managed to just exist drinking on somebody's couch for about 10 years. For about 10 years, unemployable. Um, I had a big dog, and the dog here, here's a, okay, there was a lady walking the street. She had a small dog, I had a big dog, so we would never like cross paths, but she was always walking on the side of the street, and I'd see her, and I'd wave, and I was walking my big dog, and you know, just a crusade, the older lady didn't want my dog dropping on her. So we ended up on the same street, on my side of the street, and I was ripped, I was drunk, I was coming down, I was always coming down, I was always waiting, you know, always waiting to get high, always waiting for the next bag. And it was one of those things I may have been even waiting outside for my dealer to drop something off. And she said something, something, and we're, she's picking up dog poop. And here's your hope. Here's my hope. This is how it started. She said something, da, 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 I'm an alcoholic. And I thought, oh, I'm too, and I'm not bragging. And my next thought was, oh, wow, she needs some help home. You know, she's drunk. She needs some help home. I, I'm fucking, I gotcha. Let's go. She's like, no, no, honey, I'm in a program. I have, I have recovery. I'm in a program. I know I'm an alcoholic that's recovered. And I looked at her and I said, you're my angel. And I just started crying. I just started crying. I, she's like, oh my, oh, hey, are you okay? I was like, I'm an alcoholic too. I'm an alcoholic too. She's like, I have a solution. Can you not drink tonight? And I'll pick you up tomorrow at 5 a.m. I stayed up that night and I waited outside that door, didn't drink, and I just waited. I just waited for this lady to pick me up, and she did. She picked me up at 4.45, and she took me to an old-timers meeting, and it was at Coco's. There was like 22 old-timers. Each one of them sat down and told me to keep that date. That date was the most important day of my life. And they all told me, of course, you know, I'm just, <gasps> you know, I didn't have any money, nothing. This lady took me from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. She bought me food. She did everything for me. Um, her name is Mary Kay. Um, okay, yeah, you probably know her. Um, she's my angel. She got me here. Um, I met Trisha here, she's here. Uh, I met her on my fourth day of sobriety and I had just been hanging out with these old timers. I didn't know there was young, beautiful people in the program. I just thought it was an old folks club, you know? Um, and then I met Trisha and she knew my name. She knew my name when I came back and she said, hey, Christina, gosh, you smell nice. Like, you look nice. Like, I tried to put some makeup on like the fourth day. I just tried to be presentable. And she made all the difference in the world. Like, those are the things I learned to reach out to the newcomer, like the way she did with me. You know, I call her butterfly. She calls me butterfly. She's still in my life. She's still in my life. So I was having a hard time. You know, we, we come in here a hard time. Like, they were really worried about me. They're like, you know, 
detox is really an important thing. Like detox might be a thing for you. They were worried medically, like my safety was an issue. My safety was a concern, like, cause I was drinking that much. I was like, God, no, I'm not that bad. You know, I'll be fine. I'm not that bad. So they just wa they watched me, they watched me, they kept me, they made sure that I was okay and I detoxed and I didn't, you know, I was okay. Anyway, um, so one of the old timers had told me that uh, one of the most important things that I could do for myself, and I was like, come on now, I'm trying to eat here. And I was like, you gotta get on your hands and knees and you gotta pray. I was like, okay, okay, I believe you that you believe it. I believe that you believe it. On your hands and knees and you gotta surrender you got to surrender you got to give it up and i always believed in this higher power i always believed in something bigger than me i knew i was a small part of a big process i knew that but i didn't know that there, i didn't know that there was something that loved me and waiting for me or wanting me to be sober um so i did i did that work i did that work and i you know Walking around, smoking a cigarette. Could not stop smoking cigarettes. Smoke, 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 smoke. And I was just like, okay, fine. I dropped to my knees. I literally did drop to my knees. I remembered what he said, and I did. I dropped to my knees, and I cried. I cried. I cried. I said things. Okay, I'm done. I am done. I'm ready for whatever you have. I can't do this on my own. I just can't. I can't. I can't live like this anymore. I've had three good days. I've watched these old timers. I've watched you guys just be so happy, and I couldn't do it myself. Okay. All right. I want something like that. How do I do it? Nothing happened. I didn't go to bed that night. And then the next day, I was at a meeting because I knew I could stay sober one hour at a time. I went to a meeting and I stayed at a meeting. I wasn't going to drink for that hour. I knew it. And this guy walks up. He says, you and you, come on, we're going to this event. I said, I don't have any money. He's like, it's 10 bucks. Don't you got 10 bucks? No, I don't. He goes, I'll pay for you and I'll pay for you too. It'll be my dates. Okay, fine. So we go, and there's this big event. I mean, it's big. There's lots of people there, and so many pretty people, and so many people that, no way you're an alcoholic and you figured something out. You're so happy. I just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I didn't have, I knew that there was happiness out there, and I knew I wanted what you guys had, but I just didn't know how to get it, and I didn't think it was going to be me. And when you read how it works, and there are those who, you know, rarely have every a person fail, except for those who are incapable of being honest with themselves. They're, that's me. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. I just found what wasn't going to work. I was sure it wasn't going to work. And this event was big. It was big. It was a national city. It wasn't a meeting. It was a meeting on sponsorship. It was hosted by Wally P. I don't know if you heard of Wally P. Wally P changed my life. My life changed with Wally P. Mary was right behind me when this happened, my spiritual experience. Um, he was talking, and he had a book on the table, and the book said, How to Know God. How to Know God. Oh, I did know God. I was really wasn't big on reading either, but I wanted that book and I wanted him to sign it. I thought this guy's important. Look at this. You know, what if I get this? What if I don't? I want this man to sign my book. I stood in line. I stood in line. They're waiting for me in the parking lot. Come on, let's go. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll be out there later. You know, I stood in line. I stood in line. And when I got up to him, he said hi. What's your name? I was like, Christine, oh my God. And I just started crying. And he held on to me so tight. He didn't let go. And I cried. And I cried. And whenever surrendering, I, th I think this is how it worked. Whatever I did the night before, when I surrendered, something happened. Something came out of me. Something got into me. Something believed in something that I had never been able to believe in. Something I couldn't see. Something happened. You couldn't put your finger on it. You couldn't. I, I wanted to duplicate it. But he had written in my book, you have recovered. What? 
Mary was behind me. I didn't know Mary. Mary, right here. I didn't know her. I believe that he believed that. I haven't had a dream or the need to use drugs ever since. And I think I did share with you guys that I never came down from the meth. Like, I've just been on, a, not a pink cloud, but I've just been feeling good, living the right life, living life to its fullest, to the best of my ability. And I've taken this God of my understanding and it's turned into this most beautiful thing, this conscious contact that the church didn't offer this to me. Priests, doctors, they don't have the turnout like, I, like AA, one alcoholic talking to another. That's really what worked for me. Um, my next bit of hope for you. Um, well, I've got a lot of it. So um, that went well. I stayed sober. I'm still sober from that date. At 90 days in, I took my 90-day chip, and I met her. I switched from Scotch to Angie. I went outside thinking I, I've never been able to love anybody, and this lady loved me. This must be love, and oh my gosh, you know, this must be the way it is. I, I think I'm gay. I did marry. I married a woman for four years. She had a really strong program. We moved to Mexico, and one of the very best things that's ever happened to me is this little group called Grupo Gringo down in Mexico. I got sober there. I found myself out, and I was able to end a wonderful friendship that turned into a marriage that was never a marriage. It was just like a, a friendship, but it was a marriage. Um, she had a really good sobriety. She had a lot of sobriety, and she made sure I got to meetings, and I knew that if I just hung out with her for a little bit, I'd be okay, or I'd know what to do. I could follow her lead and be a copycat, which I did. But I did end up in this group of gringo. I ended up working on myself for the first time, for the very first time. I got honest with myself about myself. I got to, you know, and tried to get my century, and, you know, you got to go in there, and they're like, hey, have you ever been arrested? She's right there. Oh, are you sure? No. You know, I couldn't be honest. I wasn't honest, but I did get honest. And when I did get honest with myself and a sponsor, things changed. Things really changed. The first thing I was able to admit is that I dropped out of high school. Like, I hid that from everybody, the wife, everybody. Like, that was my shame, my first sense of shame. Once I let all that stuff out, I was able to address those things. I went back at 48 and got my GED to do it, like, because I wanted to, because I got to work on myself, because I finally worked these steps as a result of these steps. I'm sober today, and my hope for you guys, um, the mother that I was no longer, you know, unable to have a relationship with, uh, once I got sober, I was able to have a relationship with her. All right! Okay, this is great. I'm doing great on time. Okay, I thought I'd be like, okay, you're up, Trisha. You're pinch hitting. Um, so um, once I got, was able to let these things out and really look at myself for who I was and work on myself and accept myself and love myself, things really changed. Um, I get to work with other people. And that's been one of the biggest moving parts of my life, one of the biggest things that's changed everything for me. Um, 
Oh God. And the best thing for me is that I found him, and I'm in a church, and when I first came into this meeting here, it was different. It was different. I'm here because God showed me how to love myself, and I can love you. This little girl here told me, I'd love you till you can love yourself. I had never heard that before, and to me, she coined it. To me, she coined it. Um, this is a, a room full of love, this is a room full of hope, and this is a room full of people that we do it together, we don't do it alone, and thank God for that. Thank God for that. So, working the steps and this program, it's actually working me. It's now working me. I'm, I'm not in this, it's in me. Thank you guys. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Trish, and I am a grateful recovering alcoholic. Hi, Trish. Um, I was just, I'm really, first of all, I want to thank whoever started this meeting. It's a beautiful place, beautiful space. Um, any place where God is and any place where family is, is where we're all welcome. And I want to thank you for showing up tonight in the back row there for yourself and for your life. Welcome to a new way of life. You don't ever have to do anything alone ever again. You don't have to face the pain, the joy, and you certainly do not have to celebrate anything alone ever again. <laughs> um, you know, I was really, I don't know, you know, I think that whenever we are present um, in life, as I sat in that chair tonight and we did this meditation, um, you know, I just let God work his what, what he wants me to hear and know and see on a daily basis. And um, by the grace of God, I have, I don't know how, 15 years of sobriety. But all I really have is 24 hours. If you woke up this morning earlier than me, which you probably did because my job keeps me up kind of late. So like I sleep the same amount, but I wake up a little later than most. But um, really there is some truth to that because that's really all we have is, is today and God's grace in our life to, you know, be able to, we, we heard tonight already about surrendering our will. And, um, you know, when I first came into the rooms, I didn't know what that meant. You wanted me to change everything. You wanted me to change who I was. You know, I understood the changing the people, like, you know, the drug addicts and the people on my contacts and my phone. And like, I understood like, don't go to the bars anymore. That was the extent of what I understood that I was supposed to change when I first came into the rooms. You know, I, I didn't know that I needed to change the way that I thought about myself. <laughs> And that was the hardest thing that I had to learn in sobriety, is that I had to dump all of that demoralization. I needed to be able to be okay with the mistakes that I made. Be okay with the mistakes that I made. Um, I think the ones that I made to other people were easier to forgive. It was the ones that I made to myself that were the, the, the really the hardest to look at and the hardest to kind of work through. And that's still, a an incredible gift, an incredible process that is constantly evolving for me. Um, to be able to dig deeper and find out a little bit more about me, you know, not just the stuff that makes me tick, but what are the things that I really 
really want. You know, um, I'll share this last little bit and then, um, and then I, I encourage anybody else because the one thing that I do know is that when we have an opportunity to speak forth about our secrets, our pain, our, or our, our, our hope, our strength, any of that, when you get that opportunity, do it. Just do it. Just walk through it and feel the joy and the lift and the lightening part that comes from allowing yourself to just be present in that moment. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of doing some real deep work right now with the root thing, the roots because, and I've heard it said before, and I just want to share this, this is my own little analogy thing, and I like it though. Um, you know, the, a tree has all these branches and all this, all this bloom on it, and the big tree, you know, I have a big tree. <laughs> a tree is all the things that have happened in my life, all the experiences, all the issues, everything, everything, that's my tree. And there are these branches. And if I go and I say to myself for that particular day, well, I'm just going to cut that branch off because I don't want to look at that. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to, I don't want to have to repair that. I don't know. So I just go cut that branch off. Well, what happens is that branch just goes, grows back. It grows back even more diseased than it did before. It grows back with more power over me, wanting me to not have a good life. Um, so what I had to do is I had to go all the way down to the root and I had to nourish and feed the root of the cause. And that's hard. It's hard to, to dig down that deep. It's a process. It's a, that's why we have this program. That's why we have each other. That's why we have God. That's why we have love. Because without love, you'll never get down there. You have to apply that first. That has to be your primary purpose, to love yourself, to love others, to love every single moment that you have, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, whether it's painful, sad. I've seen experiences across the board. Um, I am a survivor. I'm a survivor for the disease of alcoholism, and I'm a survivor from many different things. And um, so what happens when you go down to the root, and I'll finish with this, when you go down to the root and you're able to nourish that root, um, what happens to that branch is that particular branch that had that disease, that pain, that anger, that whatever hatred, whatever it was that was there on that branch goes away. And that branch produces fruit like you've never seen before. Um, and that fruit can be a plethora of things, things that you never thought were ever possible for you in your life, things that you never thought that you would get and I'm not talking material. I'm talking emotional. I'm talking confidence. Stuff like that. Stuff like that. Stuff that, 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 that makes you not have to walk down the street and go like this and look down at complete strangers. You know? And that's the kind of stuff that allowed me to reach out to this woman that, that day. You know? I just... I'm a social butterfly. Yeah, everybody knows that about me. But there's still anxiety in meeting new people. There's still anxiety about getting up and speaking in front of 250 people. All I know is that I just press into God's purpose for me, ask him what his bidding is. That's what I did tonight. Ask him, what is your purpose for me? What is your purpose for you? What is your purpose? Just take a little step. That's all you have to do. Just one little step. And then one little and one little and one little. 
and that's it. And then you get joy, freedom, peace, and all the rest of it. Well done. And way beyond that. So thank you for inviting me here tonight. My name is Oliver, and I'm an alcoholic. And that was beautiful. That was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I was all over your story, and I was all over your story because of the simplicity, the humanity, the honesty, the God that I saw in there. I mean, it's amazing how vulnerable you are, how beautiful you are. So God bless you. I mean, you really touched my heart. That was beautiful. And. Uh, you know, thinking about your story, and I, every time, every week that I come here and I hear the stories of all, of all of you when you hear my story, you know, lately I've been looking at God behind our stories, you know? Because that's where it's at. I mean, we're in AA, and, and, and I'm going to talk about the solution that I found in AA. And you know, the funny thing is that right now I was hearing your story about the tree and the branches and all that, and I, and I heard a sermon this week that talks about divine and the branch in divine. You know, and it says that the power is in the vine and the fruit comes from the, from, from the branches. But that, that power is not mine. And I had to come here and understand that. For 47 years of my life, I tried to manage my own life. For 47 years of my life, I tried to work on my character defects. For 47 years of my life, I tried to have enough uh, will to make my life work for me. For 47 years, I tried to access a power that I was never able to find. And I was very successful. I mean, whatever people told me I needed to achieve to be happy, I did. God bless me with two beautiful children. And I see them today, they're almost out of college, two of them. They're doing good, regardless of what their dad did to them, because I was very toxic to my children. But they turned out to be okay. <clears throat> you know, I've been married twice. I have a beautiful girlfriend right now. I've been successful in business. I've been all over the place, man. I mean, I didn't have a dad in my immediate family until last week. Um, I have traveled. I have done everything that the world told me I needed to do to be happy, man. The toys, the house, the bank account, the trips, the, the everything material. I had a, I've been there. And guess what? The emptiness and the lack of power was still there. I was as miserable with money than without money. I wasn't as anxious paying my bills, but I was as miserable. <laughs> it's always nice to have money. But you know, the more I work this program and the more I teach the steps, I, I've been blessed doing a lot of workshops, man. I think that true sobriety is in service. It's not, it's not within me. It's what I can give to others that truly makes me happy. But the, the more I live, the more I live the program, the more I live the steps. I understand one thing. Whatever transformation has happened in my life has absolutely nothing to do with me. And I want to be very clear with that. Because I always thought that if I understood myself very well, if I could just manage a little bit better, or if I could read the, the best books out there. I have read so many books, man. You open my Kindle and it's, it's just stupid how many philosophies I have read and studied and practiced. Always in search of that meaning. Always in search of that ease and comfort. Always in search of feeling that void within me. You know, I thought that with knowledge and with, and with practice, I, I will gain that. But the more I knew, the less I knew. The more I read, the less I knew. The more I read, the more empty I felt. The more I, I did, the less I had. 
you deal what happens, what happened to you that day. I got on my knees and I said, God, I can't do it anymore. That's when the miracle happens. You know? I get goosebumps, man. I feel like power comes out of my fingers when I talk about God. Because that's the power that I have today, and it's not mine. There's no decision that I make today without Him. There's nothing that I have today without Him. Good or bad, it's all about what I think is good and what I think is bad. You see, the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous have one ultimate purpose, and that's we have a spiritual experience, and that's on the 12th step. Where it's going to happen for you, I don't know. Where it happened to me was on the third step. I got on my knees. I didn't feel anything. It wasn't until the fifth step when I, for the first time in my life, I could see myself with compassion. To see that there's nothing wrong with me. It's just that I was a wounded little kid looking for love all over, and I manipulated and cheated everybody to, to get it. So what I could see myself with a little bit of love and just let that power through, just amazing things happen. So for me, the most important thing that I have to do every day is to remind myself that I already gave it a shot. And I gave it a shot for the vast amount of my life, 47 years of my life. And the result was that I landed here. Who of you wanted to be in AA when you were 15? This last thing I wanted to be, man, an alcoholic, a drug addict, somebody that I had to declare powerlessness. I thought that I had it all. I thought that I could do it all. Alcoholics and was for losers. It's as simple as that. That's the best decision that I was able to make. So every day, what I try to do every day, I meditate this morning. I try to meditate every day. I try to ask God every day for strength, for the ability of me to accept what is, not what it is that I want it to be, but what is. Some days it's very hard. Some days are a struggle. But I just wanted to make it really clear today. I mean, the, the, the miracles that I have seen in this place, with the people that I have sponsored, the people that have sponsored me. I've seen change in my sponsors as well. I know that it's impossible to do it through human aid. It's impossible to do it by myself. What I feel today, I never imagined I could feel it. The way that I perceive the world today, there's no way in the world that I was gonna be able to perceive the world. I like money, man, fame, cars. That's what I liked. <clears throat> today, I don't like that anymore. That was the most important thing in my life. It's not anymore. And on and on and on and on. You know, people that suffer today have a heart for them. Before I used to judge them as losers. To be able to take a nap, man. I mean, my girlfriend just looks at me and says, man, it's amazing how fast you go to sleep. <laughs> I started watching a movie and I start snoring. That's peace. I tried to do that with pills all my life, man. And I wasn't able to. I took a shitload of those. I was still anxious. So, I mean, life is just beautiful, and it's, it's thanks to the grace of God. The only action that I had to put in my life was to work the steps. But don't mistake it. Everything I got and everything that I see that alcoholics have is because of the grace of God. And the day that I forget that, I will, I will die. Because I forgot it once. I've been sober. I haven't had drinks since, I, since 1991. I relapsed in drugs. That's what my sobriety did. And I relapsed because I forgot that. I had everything. I thought I licked it. I thought I was okay. AA was for you guys, for you losers. You didn't know how to live. I got it licked. And then I relapsed for 15 years. 
So the grace of God, man, is what keeping me sober. So God bless you. Thank you. I am David and I am an alcoholic. And sometimes I wonder if I am in the right place. Because you cannot tell me this five years ago that I've been, you know, I will be saying what I'm saying right now. It is unbelievable, crazy. Christine, thank you very much, my dear. I haven't seen you in a few days over there by the gym, you know. Uh, that's sweet, what you just said, and so do you. So I can't believe we are just talking about God and love. And this is the farthest thing that I had in my mind before. I didn't know how to say even the word love. Let me tell you what happened lately in my life. My stepson died yesterday. Okay? Let me tell you what he died. He was a guy like, you know, six feet four, full of muscles. In the Air Force, he was like a top shot, you know? But guess what? He cannot stop drinking. You know, he got out of the, of, of the Air Force and uh, he drank himself till he died. You know, they diagnosed him five years ago with cirrhosis in the liver. You know, so every time that he got money, he keep on drinking. He keep on drinking and drinking and drinking. So he died yesterday. You know, this is what this disease can do to can do to you if you don't watch out, if you don't come over here, I mean, if you don't hear what 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 our peers are saying. You know, but let me tell you what happened. You know, I mean, besides the tears and besides the sorrows and besides everything else. You know, you're talking about God. That's where I have serenity. I, I'm sad today, but I'm with love. I have love in me. So I take the things really different today. You know, if I was not sober and if I was not in these rooms, I would be cursing God. And instead, I love God. I have God inside of me and I know how to give love. I was married to his mom for 20 years. Okay, 20 years, and I can cut in my hand the times I told her I love you, honey. You know, because I always held a resentment to every single woman in the world. Because I was hurt when I was a little guy, you know. So, so when I got a divorce, I just have a big resentment towards her. But in this program, it turned the other way around. I make amends to her five years ago, just like what the program tell you to do. So to make the story short, I told her today, twice I love you. And twice yesterday, I love you. You know, he said that again, he's getting good response, so did I. And she said, David, I love you too. And then, they, then she started talking about when we were married, you know, why we have issues, what she she understand that I her son just died from alcoholism and I'm in the program. And we, I cannot get into the into the program for five years, no matter what I said to him, and I know he was gonna die. But for the grace of God, she has some serenity right now because 
you know, he was just a piece of, of, uh, of, of, of uh, flesh walking. You know, he was drinking every little money that he got from whatever he got money. You know, he's for drinking. This is what our disease is. And if you don't watch out, that's what's gonna, that would, would happen to me. Listen, you know, what Oliver just said, we are, we are doing the, the, the worship in Spanish. I just uh, was in the meeting before I came here for an hour and a half with 15 people. And I told them twice I love them. And I, ju I just met them three weeks ago. And I feel this love to give what, what, what Christine was saying. You know, I didn't have this in me before. Now I can say it and I feel good about it. You know? And uh, I, I, I let me tell you, you know, I can't change nothing in the world for this program. You know? Because this what your friend was saying, full of, of God, of love, crying aloud. You were talking about purpose, the purpose in life. What purpose did I have before? Now I have purpose. I'm happy and I make other people happy. But it's not me who's doing this. You know who it is. So thank you guys. Thank you, Christine. I'm Michael. I'm an addict and an alcoholic. Hi, Michael. I'm glad you're here, too. <laughs> you and I, we need to be here. And Christine, you too. Um, <laughs> we know that. Thanks for sharing tonight. And, and David, I'm still kind of um, digesting what you said. You know, we can play around, we can laugh a lot, we can bring humor and hope into this, and it's still a deadly fucking disease. It kills people. Um, and it's sad because we're sitting here with hope. We're sitting here with a uh, solution. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, if you've ever been close to a drug addict in their disease, or you've been close to an alcoholic in their disease, or you've been trying to stop on your own and haven't been able to stop, it seems impossible. It seems impossible. I'm a grown man. I'm not going to drink tonight. <laughs> yeah, right? Good luck on that one, Michael. Um, all the other lies I tell myself, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm only going to do this. I'm going to only do that. And I just end up in this hopeless place over and over again. And my only solution to that is to drink and drug, right? And it gets worse. And it gets worse. So... Um, we, we like to get to a lot of meetings, we work the steps ourselves, and then we carry the message to others, and that seems to bring us to a place where I can have some power in my life to stay sober one day at a time. A lot of you guys call that love and God, um, but I didn't come here for that. Um, but along the way, that just seems like the theme for tonight you kicked us off with is, is God and love, and some, some people use those words interchangeably. Um, but it, but it takes a lot of what you shared tonight is the hopelessness and then somebody just willing to be nice to you and like shake your hand or give you a hug or drag your ass to a meeting or, you know, buy you a $10 entry into a, you know, a meeting of hope. Um, life's going to take on new meaning to watch people recover, to see them help others. And I've seen you help others. 
to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow about you, have a host of friends, like real friends. Um, this is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. And the reason why that part of the book is coming up for me tonight after Christine shared is, uh, I've been meaning to tell you at another meeting recently, um, you know, real friends compliment you behind your back. Um, Christine uh, helped a, a new person out a few weeks ago, and I ran into them in a meeting, and they were, they were pretty, still pretty shaky, and they were retelling their uh, first or second meeting. And, and Christine, you know Christine, right? Christine came up, and she just got me all hooked up. She's like, the coffee's over here, the chair's here, and like this, and that, and that. And just, yeah, I mean, the way the person was animating, I was like, I know what Christine that is, right? And somebody did that for you, and you're doing that for the next person. And that's what we do, and it keeps it going. And that's love, and that's God. So thank you. I love you, too. <laughs> Uh, hey, Luis, alcoholic. Hi, Christine, thank you so much for your share. You know, uh, you could have been anywhere to celebrate your birthday, and you're here tonight, and thank you for that. And um, David, my friend, I'm sorry for your loss. You know, and um, the alcoholic torture, right? We all know, I mean, the page 24 says, the fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice and drink. Our so-called willpower become practically non-existent. We were unable at certain times to bring into, I can't read it, our consciousness, I think, with sufficient force, the memory of the suffering and the humiliation of even a week or a month ago. For some of us, it's just even the night before, right? And so, you know, I, I hit bottom uh, in November 2014, and, uh, the, you know, I hit bottom. And I remember coming in here in that first night. I came in on three days later to that first meeting, free at last, and I, they gave me an opportunity to just share where I was, and I was filled with tears, stuttering, and, and I heard the same message, let us love you until you learn to love yourself after I finish sharing. And I held on to that message. I stayed. And I kept coming back, you know, because in the end, in the end, we're all searching, we're all searching and seeking. It's love. You know, we may not know it, we might be aware of it, we might be, you know, we for, some of us have never really experienced true love, you know, or unconditional love as a child. But moving forward to page 42, it says, once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against that first drink. Except for a few rare cases, neither he nor maybe she in my books all other other human being can provide such a defense. Uh, his defense must come from a higher power, and you know um, what I heard tonight in your, in your share, Christine, was the miracle of healings. You know, and when I came here, I came in closed, afraid, and. And yet, desperate. And what I need to do is actually open up. And I mean, it's not going to happen. For some of us, it might happen in that same moment, in that same day. But for some of us, it's gradually. 
right? Because as we start to dip our toes in the water and see if I can trust these people, it's not a cult. But the message truly is, freely you receive, freely you give, right? And so if I jump us to page 163, it says, or 164, and this is the program, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. And the cool part is, is that the, a room like this, as you pointed out, a room like this is a loving room, a supportive room, right? And uh, clear away the wreckage of your past. These are the obstacles that are keeping me from being able to receive fully this power, which is truly, it's, it's love. It, it's love. It's love that heals. Give freely of what you find and join us. So before I can give, I need to open up and receive. And, and we have 12 steps for that. You know, and if you go through the Big Book Awakening, it is a six to nine month process for you to, to discover these obstacles, your truth, and to get to that place to where you truly, it's a genuine surrender. And uh, when it comes, and it says, uh, we shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you shall surely meet some of us on the trudge of the road of happy destiny. It says, may God bless you and keep you until then. And so today my purpose in life truly comes out of page 153. Then you will know what it means to give of yourself, that others may survive and rediscover life. You will learn the full meaning of love thy neighbor as, as thyself. And when the vision was received for this meeting, it was to build a bridge between our communities of AA, BBA, what was going on in this church. And, um, you know, there was two years of prayer, you know, and so, you know, uh, God does give us a vision for, it says, vision for you, you know, new dreams, a new heart, a change of heart. And I'm very grateful for all of you here being tonight. Thank you for letting me share. Hi, Bali alcoholic. Hi. Shit, I don't like to share. I don't feel comfortable, but when I come here, I really feel like I have to say something. Thank you for your share, Christine. It was amazing. I can relate to it so much. I was been fortunate my whole life that I had right people always with me along the way, helping me to get sober, that um, they never give up on me. Uh, my best friend was here with me that he, because of him, I'm sober today. And also it's funny that, you know, um, I was drinking, doing drugs, and one night I was sitting at the dinner, you know, and I was like, shit, I mean, I don't know how to stop. And then that's where I met Oliver, and he started having dinner with us. We had a friend in common, and I asked him, why you don't drink? He said, I'm an alcoholic. And for me, it took everything to tell him that I'm an alcoholic too. So with that said that, um, I have hope and now I'm happy. I'm happy being sober. And thank you to those people that never lost hope in me and got me where I am today. Thank you. Yo, Octavio Alcoholic. Octavio. Yeah, I'm also very grateful. And um, for me, hope is just 
be able to do the stuff I couldn't do before, you know, like, um, I know for me, service work, for example, my father, um, he's uh, pretty close to 80 and not moving around too much, you know, swollen feet and on a, and a wheelchair pretty much. And when I came to this program, I, I really had a lot of hate, man, because of the trauma and things that we've been through. And, and he still drinks now. And, and um, yeah, we end up at the store and he wants beer and I can't even carry it, right? But I'm there bringing it for him. And again, just to be able to do that and not have the temptation to drink, you know, um, his house um, is under remodeling. It's been for like a whole year. But I'm around a lot of workers, construction workers, and I'll drink, you know. So for me to be, uh, to me, that's a miracle, you know. Um, you know, hope for me has been the blessings that God has given me in a sense of prayer, you know, when we have family going through some struggles, like when my mother was in a coma for, and, um, you know, miracles, you know. Um, Another situation, you know, I, I got in trouble when I was young and my instructors were telling me, you're never going to be able to do this. And the fact that I did, you know, I'm really hardheaded and that was one of the reasons I struggled coming in the program and getting help. But I used that towards um, good stuff like career. You know, um, now I do mentorship, you know, with young people. Now I don't get paid through it, but I know that I'm making a huge difference. You know, it's a Spring Valley program called Voice to Men and I go to weekend retreats and I'm just thankful that my wife is patient, you know, because um, where I was so selfish before, without getting into it, you know, um, I just know that um, now I'm about giving, you know, like helping my father out, being part of that mentorship program. I'm part-time counselor at a college and I work with formerly incarcerated. And I'm just grateful the fact that God has had the final say in everything I do, you know, and I'm thankful for that. So to me, that's huge. You know, my sobriety date is uh, April 5th. 2010 and to me that's a miracle man because i couldn't do anything good or bad or celebrate if i was happy i'll drink if i was sad i'll drink pretty much um i was just waiting for the company to leave right if we have family gatherings and and i'll get crazy man three in the morning the beast will come out i'm a really cool person you know sober but i'm not that person when i drink so i'm grateful i don't do that so thank you Burning alcoholic and recovering strength and hope. Um, I never knew what that was. Ten months ago, it crossed my mind. You know, how can you have strength and hope when you don't even love and respect yourself? You know, you know, especially with 10 DUIs, you know, um, how can you have strength and hope? You know, I have lost everything, but it's all in the material, you know, it's okay. You know, but you lose something, you're supposed to find it. But I say now that I, I give it all away from my obsession with alcohol. You know, 38 years and uh, living in this cycle, you know, all I knew is how to be a drunk, you know. 38 years I wasted, you know, I know it took God three days to resurrect. It took me 30 days to be reborn, you know. And um, I'm a Sally boy, I'm a Salvation Army, you know. I hit rock bottom on July 22nd when I tried to kill myself. Four days later, I turned myself into uh, the rehab because um, it was time to change. It was time for me to be the father to my kids that I've never been. It was time for me to be a man. So on July 26th, I surrendered and basically I surrendered and gave my will and power all to God. And um, 
I graduated the program March 1st. I'm alumni. I'm also being trusted to take care of the house. I'm the third key. I'm the resident manager. Um, now, sometime this week, um, I'll become staff um, officially and all thanks to God. I couldn't have done it alone. Just, I mean, all it takes is a sip, um, sm a smell, I mean, a commercial, driving by and se seeing liquor store. Psh, I'm flipping a U-turn. Might as well call the police on me because I'm gonna end up behind, behind a cop car, man, or I'm gonna crash. You know, 10 DUIs, man. I, sick and tired of being randomly selected, you know? But, uh, <laughs> man, it's time to change, you know? And so I did, I'm doing that. And let me tell you, man, I will not change this feeling I have now, peace, joy, uh, I have integrity now. I mean, I have a foundation that I've never had before in my life, you know, and all thanks to God. You know, I, to tell you the truth, I never thought it was this easy just to put that bottle down, you know, but I never wanted to. My pride, my ego, being selfish, you know. I knew I would have a problem, but there goes my pride. No, you don't. You don't have a problem. You can handle anything. Uh, no, I couldn't. But thanks to God, I'm alive. Salvation Army saved my life. My brothers, my band of brothers I have there, pick me up when I fall, when I fall down sometimes, you know. You know, and I do the same thing, but you got to lead by example, tell your truth, you know. You have to. I mean... They're trusting me to run the house when the other guys are not there. Trusting me, a drunk, for 38 years. My parents didn't even trust me at their house. Not even my kids trusted me with their kids. Man, now they leave me with their kids, man. I mean, I, I do the blessing, you know, when we go eat. Just, wow, me, you know, ex-gang member, alcoholic, drug user. Man, it's a blessing having God in my life. Man, he's done so many blessings for me. It's amazing. And I'm gonna just keep fighting every day, 24 hours at a time, and I will beat this obsession that I have with alcohol. Thanks. All right, thank you. Octavio Alcalde. All right, so, so now we celebrate for April for the, does anybody have any, uh, 30 days in April? 30 days sobriety? 60 days? 90 days? Okay, what about a uh, one year? Uh, two years? Any anything under ten years of uh, sobriety? Come on, uh, what, how many years? You said nine, fifteen. I'm Linda. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Linda. And God blessed me with this woman, my sponsor. Um, she was there when I came in on day one at Pioneers, and I, it took me two weeks to get the courage to go to a meeting, and. Um, and Pioneers is like, has a podium, and they're like, hey, you want to read how it works? Sure. <laughs> and then I'm sitting down, they're like, it's a, you know, I asked a friend to read how it works. And then I'm like, I think I want to sit at the table and do it. And they're like, no, no, you got to go up to that podium. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I'm up there sweating bullets, nervous as heck, doing, reading how it works. And then later on, after I did that and I sat back down, um, later on someone's like, would you like to share? So I go back up on this, uh, to the podium and I said, hi, I'm Linda, I'm an alcoholic, and the tears just came. And I cried, and I was a hot mess. And after I shared what I don't even remember what I said, I was walking away, and she was sitting at the table before um, I got back to my seat. And her and this other la lovely lady, they just grabbed me, held me, told me that they loved me, that, you know, 
all these wonderful things. And so we exchanged numbers. And I was, I, I was circling the drain. I, when I, the day before, my life was just, I was going to die. So um, when I went to that, to that meeting for the first time, um, having these people tell me that they you know, care about me, um, it was just amazing. And I was vetting it for a job for two months that was my dream job that I have now. And two weeks into the program, I got that job. And then somebody else told me, goes, you know, you only got that job because you stopped drinking. And I'm like, damn, I thought I could go back, you know? But I didn't. And I stuck it out, and I asked her to be my sponsor. She was my sponsor before I even went to work. And she's taught me God's will, not my will. And she's taught me so much about, you know, loving myself. I can look in the mirror today and say I love me. Right. And um, she's, she's just a big part of my life. And I, and I can't do it without her. And God put us together for a reason. So I love her very much. She's got nine years. She's a nine-year-old. Yeah. And I love you so much. Wow, the surprise. Um, I just want to thank everyone for um, having the space for my husband. Um, as he shared earlier, it was a rough time, but um, now we share a lot of happiness and joy. Um, you've come a long way, and I'm so <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> I'm just being very genuine. You've come a long way. I'm so proud of you. There's so many things we can do now. We can go on trips where we don't have to worry about losing you and not finding you later in a bar. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just very happy and, and I'm grateful that you found God in a way that it can help you stay sober and um, you don't have that craving anymore. And um, I love you a lot. Yeah. I want to say for um, how I've been doing it um, with the grace of God, right? Um, it's just being more connected, you know, like the fellowship is huge. Like I know I hang out with a lot of you and I know Mike, um, we go to retreats, you know, with the Malibu retreat, Tucson retreat, Santee, you know, the one we um going to be doing. Uh, no, Lake Henshaw, May 5th, you know, if anybody wants to go, I'm, I'm going to be over there. But, you know, and I got another group of friends that are still AA and um, NA, and we hang out and play cards, you know. So to me, to be able to do that sober, you know, um, like 21 years, right, of marriage, um, I was not in a good, healthy place, you know. And I think the fact that I've been able to work this program is because I'm open-minded where before I thought it was weakness. I thought everything was weak if I accept now. But um, I'm grateful for this, so thank you. Thank you. I, want, I want to make sure we don't miss anyone. Anybody with any length of sobriety in April? What? 15? 20. 20. 20. 20. 20. 20. Wow. 20. Do we have a 20 in there? All right, all right. All right, I feel like I've been up and down, up and down all here uh, with this uh, tonight, so I'll try and keep it short, but you know me. I'm, uh, I'm a drug addict and an alcoholic. Clean and sober off the drugs and alcohol. I found I was codependent, love dependent, sex and love dependent, all kinds of other funky addictions showed up in physical sobriety because I wasn't working the steps. I went to a lot of 12-step meetings and did not work the 12 steps. How crazy is that? 
Um, somebody told me last week that real sobriety is doing all the shit that you don't want to do. It's like, that pretty much nails it. That should be in the book. Um, <laughs> because me doing me on my power got me here. And if your power is still working for you, God bless you. Get to it. Break it. Like, run it till the wheels fall off. That's what I had to do to be willing enough to stick around here and do some shit that I didn't want to do. It was only when I did things I did not want to do that I changed in here. And um, I was talking to a friend Friday. (laughs) And we were talking about how you know, working with others and seeing the lights come on in other people and seeing meetings grow. The Luis has, you know, prayed and worked on this meeting for a couple of years to get it to here. And now the seats are filled. And to be just a small part of that, you know, um, hopeless, junkie, alcoholic, cannot tell the truth for nothing to be like a person that's involved and part of something so much bigger than I've ever known before. It just blows my mind. It still blows my mind. So my sobriety date is April Fool's Day, 2003. Yeah, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Hang around a little bit. You'll know why that's a perfect, perfect sobriety date for me. And I love you guys because you help other people. And my daughter's two-year sober anniversary is today. Yeah, we've been praying for her for a long time, a long time. Um, So with that, I'm just going to say thank you, and I love you guys, and I'll uh, keep doing this today, tomorrow, and the next day. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe at eastlakebba.com. You can also help us reach others by spreading the word about our podcast. Thank you for joining us today on the East Lake Big Book Awakening Podcast.